Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. Josh, what's going on, brother? It is 7 a.m. here. Time zones are a little bit different, but I'm excited to start my morning chatting to you. Yeah, it's, it's going to be the highlight of my day, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, fortunately, but unfortunately. <laughs> oh, did you get your toes, Ash? No, man. It's been, it's been so bad here. We just had it. It was really cold. The high this weekend in Florida for where we are was 45 degrees, which is pretty close to freezing. It was freezing overnight and just lost a lot of a lot of water temperature. Our yeah, the waves have been bad. It's it's tough. The the our group techs have turned into support groups for the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Do you guys like do you guys when it's that bad have like a lake that you can like flat water paddle or just do something that you guys can all get together still and I don't know, try and progress? No, not really. And I think that like for Brian, Mike and I the three of us, I think it's hitting the hardest because it's, I don't know, we've done all that stuff for so long. Mm. That's it's a little bit boring, maybe. You need new foils, bro. You need challenges or new boards or something. And just like, I feel like that's what gets me excited. Yep. I agree. That's the only time I really do flat water stuff is if I got a new board or a new foil because like, I just want to see exactly where its low end is or or how hard it is to paddle up. Yeah, I love testing new gear. Actually, I just did a trip to Central America and tested so many foils down there. And it just gets the gears turning, get to explore different feels. And I love what it does for my technique too. I don't know if you're the same way, but I always try to embrace the feel of the foil and not force my style and technique on it, which means that then I have to surf differently. And, and then I, I learn new things when I have to surf differently. So I, I really like that. I um big advocate of not saying anything until the end of the session or like unless you unless you've only got like one or two waves on that foil but you can't have an opinion after one or two waves on a foil there's no way there's no, no way yeah and, and i, I actually someone grabs your stuff and they're like oh no this doesn't work and i'm just like dude like this thing is so different to what you're used to you got to kind of like at least give it time to try or move it into a spot that you're used to so yep. yeah I think that I can understand if I'm going to like a foil within a session, but for for me to fully appreciate the nuance of a foil and to optimize my surfing on a foil can take me about a week of riding it sometimes because you sure. just have to learn all the little sweet spots with your feet and waiting the little pitchy spots in the range, wherever that is. Um, Dude, it's, it's work. Like as a t like, it sounds silly. Like people might scoff at this, but as like a team rider or a foil designer tester, like it's hard work testing foils because like you might have a shit foil, and you're trying, you're like trying to like tune it to make it good, but then overall it's just shit. Like that's just how it is. Sometimes a lot of brands go for a lot of different prototypes before they get the right one, and you. Like as a team rider, you gotta you gotta sacrifice sessions. Like it's it's a hard one to get your head around because yeah, it's 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 tough work because it's it's time. Like everyone knows, like 
I feel like that's why I love all those adjustable things like the hydrofoil wing screws that you can move your mask forward and back mm-hmm. or like bring a key out there with you and trying to switch a tail if you've got a jet ski where you got like multiple different tails on the ski like it's it's tough work like it's but then it's so rewarding when you it's like figuring out the the cryptic code when you like get that magic kind of combo of fuse tail mask position and you're like oh here's the magic now yep yep i look at it i approach all of that as learning like i don't really think about foils as good and bad necessarily when i'm testing I'm thinking about, all right, here's what we've tried that's different in this foil. And here's the way that that actually feels in in the ocean. And then where do we go from here? And you, some some of the foils you can learn that pretty quickly on and others, it takes a little bit more time. And then when you get it all mm-hmm. figured out at the end, it is an incredibly, and it's a moment that I've had a, a number of times over the last like year and a half is generally speaking, there'll be a wave, a few into a session and, and I'll just start laughing and she's like, oh, we, we got it. It's there. <laughs> I love that moment. I think the best way I've found testing foils, and this is mainly just for like high aspect foils, is downwind because mm-hmm. I feel like the it can be pretty consistent, the variables. Like, so first of all, paddling up on a bump, if 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 you get your normal local run and it's always 12 knots every afternoon, it's pretty consistent to get the same bump that you're paddling up on and then finding that low end that you're pumping through sections and then gliding on swells and testing the top end and whether it wants to stay on that glide or if it wants to decelerate back down to its, its low range. But And I feel like because even if you've got the mast in the wrong spot and it's hard to paddle up or something, once you do get it up, you can shuffle your feet around because our boards are seven, eight foot now. So mm-hmm. you still can get the feels that you basically get if you've got things not in the exact spot by just shuffling your feet around. And I feel like being on foil for over 15 minutes or however long your, your downwind local run is, like you do get to feel feels that you wouldn't normally if, say, you're you chipped into a wave and you pumped around just for three waves because I feel like it's you never well when I prone surf you never really get to you try and relax but you never really get to relax because I feel like that pumping back out in the prone it just gasses me because mm-hmm. by the time you pump out and then you get to that set wave and then you want to rip and then like you get to the end of the wave and then you pump back out again you just gassed everything's just like I don't know yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I love testing stuff downwind. I love testing behind the ski. I think behind yes. the ski is a great way to do it. I have a protocol of how I approach it. and I find skis good for surfing because, but, but then I don't think it's good for like the pump because I feel like whatever speed you're exiting the wave at when you're towing is not it it can be relatable to when you're prone, but I feel like you've got this extra energy because you never you never chipped into that yep. wave. You never, you know what I mean? Yeah. So definitely. like I I I personally think towing is amazing for testing like the roll and the surf surfiness of a foil, but then like the, the I feel like you never really get to the low end when you're towing. It's probably a lot different here. Like the shoals that we tow. It can be a two to three minute ride through all these different sections and you're generally connecting along that way like th- throughout it's not one one wave you're on the, the entire time 
And so I feel like we probably get a lot more of that pumping. We're probably out towing bigger foils here too, most of the time as well. But what I do on a new foil is our jetty sticks out about a mile from the beach. When we round the jetty, I just hop in the water there, just get whipped into a bump and basically downwind to like where we're going to go. So I'm getting a few minutes on foil, just open ocean pumping mostly because it's generally not that good. It's usually clean when we're out there, but just feeling the foil out, trying to figure out if the balance is set and um, if it needs any tuning before we commit to a surf uh, feel. Dude, we're, that sounds completely opposite to what we're doing here. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> we're like towing on like foils that cannot even do a two for one. And like, it's, 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 it's honestly, it's morphing, dude. Like what originally foiling was is now morphing more into surfing because like, you know, when you've got a shit tow driver and like they whip you out a wave and it's not the one you want. And then you just pump over the back of that. And then you find the wave that you want. I feel like what we're doing now in Oz, like with my tow mates and stuff is like, we're getting whipped in. And if you don't get whipped into the wave you want, like you fucked because the, the foils we're using, like 550, 650 square centimeter foils, like they don't really pump. And then mm -hmm. if they do pump, they're probably not going to roll as well as what we want them to. So right. it's, it's interesting because like, yeah, I feel like we're getting to that performance kind of, uh, level where like we still want pump but then if you've got a pump foil it's it's probably not really a tow foil mm -hmm. so it's they're all getting like their own categories these and like even the other day i towed with alex hayes and it was maybe if we we're lucky head high like probably chest high waist high and we're both still opting for our 650 tow foils so it's just yeah, like it's it, it's interesting because I feel like it doesn't matter how big it is, we still want the tiniest foil we got because mm -hmm. whenever you tow with Alex, it's just he's so pushing it to the next level that you just don't want to be on something that's big and and like I don't know, not aggressive foil. So right. it is sick towing with him. He's he's such a such a gnarly foiler. It's crazy. So fun to watch him foil. Yeah, this oh. trip was the first time that I really spent a week on tiny foils. Because I guess the last tow trip I did in bigger surf was Viper 130 days. It was a couple years ago. And so I couldn't believe, and, my, and the buddy that I was towing with likes really small tow boards. So we're on like a 550 with a 16 liter board. Cool. The amount of force to get yanked out of the water. I was like pulling muscles the first day. I'm like, dude, why are we doing this? Like, can, can we get back on like a 25 liter prone board? I think we'll be all right. <laughs> What did you think of that? Tiny, tiny boards and tiny, tiny foils. 16, but no, it's all time. Just talk, just talking board. What did you think of that? So there are moments that I liked it. And by the end of the trip, because we spent a lot of time on it, I was surfing it at a, at a fairly good level, but I felt that it adds a lot of nuance. That's not actually helping you surf better. And that's my enemy. Anything that adds complexity without a incredible performance advantage, I don't like. And so I think that a four or five, like the MJ that I ride all the time, it's not in the way, maybe 2% more than the tiny board. And I feel like it gives you just a little bit more intrinsic balance in the foil or in the, in the setup. 
and I like that. You can move your feet a lot easier just because there's a little bit of weight to it. That little yeah. board, if you were in the wrong spot, is really hard to move your feet because when you're moving your feet, you're changing your lines drastically. So it was oh. almost like if you got whipped in and your feet weren't in the right spot, you had to make the decision like, do I want to try to move my feet right now and possibly just taco or something or just suffer this setup, this wherever I, the stance that I was at? Um, I don't know. How do you yeah. feel about it? Have you towed on really tiny boards? So I, last year when I did a trip to Fiji, none of my luggage came. So I borrowed like a slingshot, like wakeboard looking foil board. Mm -hmm. And like, it was just the only board that was in the range, like the, the dimensions that I was interested in. Cause everything else was like a huge five foot board right. and shit to tow on. And, and, and I, I personally loved it. Like after yeah. that, I was like, well, this blows my mind because how big I was it? Yeah, I, I reckon it was probably in the four foot range, but it was mm -hmm. very wide. Like it was, it looked nearly 20 wide. Like it looked like a, a tiny fridge door, like a, a little bar fridge door. But I don't know. I had a lot of people, I posted a video recently and I had a lot of people comment saying like, oh, dude, that board looks sick. Like you, yeah. like- I saw looks, this. I know, the way you're surfing that thing, it just looked like it looked better than your normal prone board. And it, I just remember at the time, like I was very hesitant because I've never ridden anything like that before. Cause I've always been like, what's the point of riding something so small and like a McDonald's tray style thing. And I, I bagged it before I even tried it. And then after trying it, I was like, Oh, there's something in this. I, I think maybe it was because of the, the thinness of the board mm -hmm. and, and the width. So it still allowed me to go super offset, but maybe because the board was so thin, it was just like, more responsive to my feet and i think where the mast went was at the back of the board so my feet instead of how i normally surf where it's that my feet are very close together and in the middle of the board my foot had to be at the back of the board hence like why mm -hmm. bennett's and stuff and zane are all making those boards with the chopped tail so their books so their feet have to go at the bottom of the board so maybe they're onto something there and I think another example was Alex has got a whole heap of those JS boards. I think that Bennett's is designed and I think Alex was riding a, a four foot board the other day and same mm -hmm. thing, it had that chop tail design and the, and the mask boxes like super far to the tail and um, they're, they're great, but they're very like, they're not user friendly. Like mm -hmm. if your foot is an inch off where it should be, it feels fucked. Right. So you just got to like, I guess, like anything, you got to figure out the board and, and know exactly where your feet go. Because the first few times Alex pulled me up, I like couldn't even get the board out of the water. I was like nose diving. He was like, <laughs> oh, dude, if you're not in the spot, like it's just so, it's so highly tuned. But like you got like one of the best foilers in the world, Alex, like it's, that's the, that's the kind of the, the, the that's the, that's the kind of, that's where they're going with board design. But like it's, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say it, it wasn't user friendly, but it did feel good. Like there, were, there is something about it, but you know, I only had a few waves on his his setup, so it's hard to give like a full opinion. But he yeah. was saying that, but I guess he is young and he is a freak, and so is Bennett's. But they reckon that they're not too hard to paddle those boards. But I don't know, they just look, they don't look fucking very hydrodynamic at all. I think the difference in your experience and mine on this board, our, the board that we were towing was 16 wide. And oh, so right. Everything I tiny. had toes over the, over the rail, depending on the foil in and some uh, moments. 
And I think that made it really hard to pop up. There just wasn't a lot of surface area on the board. And you get used to it. I mean, by the end of the trip, it was fine. It's just a lot. It was just a hard pull where I had yeah. like blisters popping on my hands and stuff. Cool. Yeah, no, it's crazy when you got such low leaderage like that, how how hard it makes that pop up right. out of the water. Like it's incredibly hard. I've Yeah. I, on the flip side of that, I've towed the, like the Quiver Killer Enigma a couple times just because it's fun to have out if we're doing like three people out at shoals you just bring out that board and someone can paddle around and then get whips every couple times every every few whips just get get picked up and drug back out or whatever so it's like a great like crossover board to have out in a big playing area that thing you get up in at like idle speed it's like i'm on foil like before the jet ski starts <laughs> to go it's ridiculous <laughs> love it no i've got i've got a what do you call on these boards mid lengths even though yeah. they're yeah, <laughs> like what five foot four or something. I got one coming. I'm super excited. Because, I can't uh, wait. You're gonna love your style. Is gonna look so good on it too. I can't wait, dude. And like, you know how back in the day when everyone just started touching the whitewash and stuff, people said the the bigger volume boards are better because like once you touch the whitewash, you lose flight, but then your board reengages speed, and then you take off again. So theoretically like these boards should be better at everything because you're already doing like the most stylish s turn snowboard turns and then if you put that theory into test the whitewash more more volume like my experience is the opposite then, in the whitewash with it so if i might yeah, too you told me years ago that the more volume is better in the whitewash more volume is better in the whitewash but i think there's something about like the hull shape ah uh, okay where you can't like so on like prone boards, normal prone boards, you can set the rail in the whitewash and have some directional control. Mm -hmm. But this, because they're more like downwindy, you don't have any rail. There's oh, nothing, there's nothing you get to push yeah, on. Yeah. They're also yeah, yeah. really tough to like blow the tail out just because they're a little bit heavier. And we're experimenting with some stuff that's going to be a little bit smaller to see what lower volume mid-length type stuff does. And maybe there's a happy medium in there to where you do get that. But Mike and I were actually talking yesterday and like neither of us are very excited about losing a lot of the volume because the volume mm. is what makes the surf experience so much different because you paddle so fast, you catch waves so easy. It changes like how you look at a lineup. Like it's okay to end at the beach and paddle back out to where if I'm on my little prone board, I will never oh. end, you know, purposefully end a run by the beach and paddle back out. I try to paddle once. So what is what is that magic number that you you've landed on? Is it five four? I'm riding a five six. Five six. Uh, yeah, we're testing some some new sizes pretty soon too, though. So we'll see. But it, Brad, yeah, I think it's gonna go. Let's let's get on to you and let's get on to <laughs> what we're doing here. We're talking about all this other stuff, tuning and boards and whatnot. But you have news. I'm, I'm happy excited. for you and I'm sad at the same time. You got very exciting news. 2024. I'm. I've joined the boys over at Code Foils in Australia. They've taken me on as their first team rider and first employee. So exciting, exciting year ahead. I was very, very fortunate to get this opportunity. So yeah, I jumped on it because to be honest, I think I've explained in other podcasts and stuff, I really want to make this foiling thing a job, a career and like it's it's just exciting the way it's taken its path and i'm 
yeah, I'm so great, so grateful for 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 getting this opportunity because I'm still on the tools. Like I still work my construction job. I still got Pooey's roofing going, but it's looking like if the way things are happening, maybe in a year or or so, maybe I could just be working full time foiling. So, um. I'm very passionate about foiling. Like, I, like to be honest, I'm just as much foil-brained as when I first started and I was watching all the tutorials and stuff. Like, I still wake up every morning, reply to all the texts throughout the world of people talking foiling, and then the next thing is going on Instagram and seeing everyone foiling around, and then usually it's me going to work and then going foiling in the afternoon and then maybe editing some foiling footage. So it doesn't get much more foily than that, I think. So, Yeah. I'm super excited, super well, grateful. Huge congratulations. I know that we are all incredibly sad, you know, that you're not going to be with the uni anymore, but I don't think that you could pass that up. I mean, I think that you've said it for a long time that that's your goal and to have kind of the dual opportunity where you get the contract and get a job at the same time. It's mental, dude. So good on totally. you. And congratulations. Um, yeah. And I'm, like, I'm also, yeah, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so grateful the two years I've had with, unifoil like to have the opportunities of testing foils creating foils meeting all you guys like i swear unifoil's got the best bloody team like when we were all hanging out at hood river like that was like that was the most rad oh and then also before that like the barley trip we did i feel like that was groundbreaking like i don't think any real foil brand has done like a team rider trip like that so i i am so stoked i was able to be on the ride with unifoil with that so it's been, yeah. been a great time. And I'm, and I'm going to, well, probably this will be posted after I make the annou announcement online, but I'm going to make like a little edit of all the good times with Unifall because we got some crazy, we got some crazy stuff done in that two years. So, no, it's been a great couple years for Unifoil too, right? So, um, and I get it though. I get it. Like, even if I'm thinking about it from your perspective with your focus on race, and I mean, I remember talking to you throughout the whole race season. I think that uni is, is a surf first brand and I feel like you being on downwind specific stuff tuned to win races, you should have a great season this year too, which is awesome. Yeah, totally. And I, I'm still so stoked. Like I was able to complete the Hawaii race season last year on the, the uni foils and do way better than what I expected. So like even though Unifoil is marketed as like a, a surf foil brand, like like your foils, the progression foils are like the best foils to start downwinding on because they're just so user friendly. And then right. this um, prototype that we've been working on, Cliffy Eye and and you, like that's that's like a next level foil too. So it's just yeah, it's it's cool that like we got these brands that focusing on one specific discipline or, or something but like it's it's cool how it's all morphing together as well like you see the big wing companies or the kite companies and they're trying to dip into surf and it's just it's it's so good for the industry i think like i i, I think like this competitive kind of race to making the best foil is is so healthy oh it is i also think it's unfair though to the you just like it's hard to compete with the companies that have stupid amounts of money because i feel like their r&d just is an endless kind of a bank account that they can just like oh let's just make another foil let's just make another foil let's just make another foil like but but that's that's awesome too like i think that's 
the it's cool to have the big companies making these amazing foils and then you get the smaller companies that all of a sudden make this magic foil that the big companies like oh holy shit what are we doing wrong Mm -hmm. well and i think that because there's it's very difficult to have any sort of ip protection in the foil space because the majority the vast majority of what's being used are just sections from the naca database or whatever airfoil database you're looking at you're really only ever going to be six to 12 months ahead. And then the industry, if something comes out that's groundbreaking, it, the, everyone's going to catch up. And we've seen that time and time again, where someone has the new hot thing and then everything shifts over and looks a little bit like that in, in a year. So oh, really? I, mean, I just think that's, if you look at surfboards, it's what's happened. There's, it's the same thing. Do you feel like it's slowed down? Slowing down? I feel like it's becoming very refined. I just got to test all these different foils. And what I'll say is that we're in a place right now where pretty much everything is good. A year or two ago, I was testing a lot of foils too. And some of the stuff you'd get on, you're like, oh, this is, this is terrible. And you pretty much right away. And now it's like, oh, I, okay, here's where this could be really good. Let's explore that. And then, yeah, yeah, okay. Like if I liked this feel, this might be what I'd want to ride. And I'm super spoiled too, because I've gotten to tune foils for a year and a half for like, the way that I like to foil. So it's hard sometimes going to other stuff that's been tuned with a different mindset, but you just have to embrace that beginner's mind and, and start from scratch and not bring all the, your, your prejudices along with, with, with feeling that gear. I feel like I've, I've had this question a, a little bit lately because there's so many new foilers coming into the game is like, what gear should I get? And I'm just like, there's so much good secondhand gear at the moment. I was like, don't buy don't buy new gear because like there's so many people with gear just probably just from last year that's still really good but they want the newest gear now and what i look at more is the compatibility so if you're going to buy a foil that's still relevant and that's going to fit the foils of the next year i was like i'll be like buy that because like if you're buying an old system that they've made irrelevant now no don't buy that even if it's getting sold for like 500 dollars, don't buy that because like after a month of foiling you're going to want to upgrade and you can't upgrade because it doesn't fit onto that system anymore yeah i yeah i just i think like we're spoilt for choice and i think it's funny too because i remember i don't know if the argument still stands but remember how people were bagging access because they were making so much gear so many like options mm-hmm. and i think if anything that's amazing like why not have more options why not make like a million different foils in that line so if you're not happy with one that's 100 square centimeters smaller get the one that's just above it versus mm-hmm. like a range that only has you know a few foils to choose from and, and the gap between foils is bigger and bigger so I think we're really getting spoilt for choice and whether you want to go the cheapest aluminium mask compared to the craziest high modulus one, like there's options. Like when they're not, the brands aren't telling you to buy them, but it's cool that there's the option to get it if you really want it to mm-hmm. level up or whatever, or think that you're going to level up. That's also another funny one. I had a, my mate Jordan the other day, he's like always he's like he's starting to put together all the pieces of downwinding and he just texted me the other day and he was just like 
oh, I'm having second thoughts because he rides Axis and he's like, I'm having second thoughts. Should I change to something else now? And I'm like, dude, it's not the gear. <laughs> it's like, I was like, you have the skill. It's just you haven't put them all together yet. I go, you're riding really good gear. Like he's got the art pros and stuff. And I'm like, don't get sucked into the marketing of like, buy this and it's going to make you that little bit better. It's just like, no, it's not that. It's just go for a few more sessions and you'll get there. But I hope he, yeah, I hope he doesn't mind me saying that, but it's just, <laughs> oh, and, and saying that dude, I don't know, just spin things around. So Jordan is the guy from the hand paddle co. I think you've mm. got a camp yeah. off him, right? I did. Dude, I paddled up the other day, hand paddling. I, we did like a little bay run and I had my seven, five bullet and literally three paddles, like tiny little bay run bumps. So like not ocean bumps, like just little wind chop bumps and crazy how easy it got up, dude. I was That's like, wow, epic. so rad, dude. That's and so like, cool. And then a few days later, we went down to the, the bay where it was glassy and he's so talented at that. He can flat water, dude, the, on like on like small foils. Like I think he was nearly getting the 1051 Art Pro flat water. I'd like to see that technique. Is he doing some sort of like body pump, knee pump? Dude, he's doing like a full like porpoise dolphin thing. And what he does is he will still be on his knees hand paddling and like pumping the board, but like the board's just skipping on the water and he's weight like what. So what he does when he is in the ocean, because I've downwinded with him in the ocean, he'll do that. And he'll be like porpoising and just getting the board above the water. So the mast is the only thing really dragging in the water besides his board touching every now and then is that he'll wait. So he'll take off on a bump and do that and then just be cruising. And then he'll wait for a swell to come pick him up and then bang, he'll jump on his feet and then he's downwinding. That's mental. Dude, it's so mental. Like he's, he's like, if, I, I got to tee up like a drone guy for him and, and capture all this stuff or even just bring my GoPro out and film him. But like, it's so incredible. Dude, and he's he, still like such the biggest advocate for, for, for hand paddling. Like cause everyone's always got the case, oh, like the sup superior and stuff. And, but he, he sups too, and he's a good supper and he still resorts back to the hand paddles just cause I think that's just what he's used to and he's comfortable with, but it's, I'm, like I'm gonna, I'm. I reckon I'm gonna start having a crack on them for sure. Like definitely in the bay because I felt like in the bay when there's just little bumps, it's easy. Mm -hmm. But when you throw in ocean mixed swell coming from all different angles and wind coming at a different angle, it's probably a bit out of my league at the moment. But yeah, it's just it's really impressive seeing what he does. I'll have to find a video and share it to you, dude. It's it's incredible. He should be posting that everywhere. It would do it would do wonders for the hand paddle sales too. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I told him because he's still like, he's still such an advocate for it, but like, he just, yeah, he doesn't want to, he, he doesn't really care proving to anyone. He just knows it works for him. So it's like, cool. That's awesome. I, the only reason that I think I lean towards SUP and I, and I like, first off, I'm really comfortable with paddles in my hand just because I've done it for so long. But when you're pretty far offshore, I think it's just nice to have a long stick in case you ever need it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude, I feel naked when I don't have the, the sun paddle <laughs> in my hand. I actually laugh so hard when I see Simeon downwind and he's got his 
Ninja Turtle like thing yeah. going over his back. And then, but then he's then he's got his fucking GoPro pole. Yeah, he's holding I'm, a GoPro. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing, dude? Just put the GoPro on the stick on the paddle, and then you don't have to put that thing around your back. Yeah, but that's all good. That's just a lot of admin going on there. So that's right. <laughs> it was it wasn't difficult enough. He wanted to add some complexity. <laughs> Yeah, but then he and then he's got like his fucking his radio on his chest and his snacks like, <laughs> coming out of his left pocket. I love it, dude. It's so sick. <laughs> like going for days. Oh, uh, that's funny. Oh, talking uh, about that. I did a big downwind yesterday, like a forty-eight kilometer one from my hometown, Maroubra, to pretty much the end of the northern beaches of Sydney called Palm Beach. Sick. And uh I had a buddy, a legend, he he did the, he drove, well, I was paying him for a day's pay because after we finished the downwind, we went and did some work on the roof. So I, I organized, I go, if you pick me up from the other end and then we'll go do some work and I'll give you a day's pay. So it worked, <laughs> <laughs> it worked out well. So we were lucky because we had this weird wind. It, it started early, like it was blowing overnight, which is very odd. Usually like like with anywhere when the when the land heats up the wind comes in in the afternoon but this was like howling overnight and so got up and i i set off at 9 a.m and i was riding the 770r from code Mm -hmm. and paddled up fine and like it's very user-friendly foil like for how small it sounds like it's it's actually yeah it's very user-friendly and we just had really tricky conditions because even though it was blowing south, we've had a lot of east northeast swell. So pretty much swell coming in the complete opposite direction from the few days before. And I actually had, you know what it's like on the group chats, like there was a couple local guys doing runs where I was finishing and they sent me a photo of one of the reefs and it was swell coming literally in the opposite direction of the way that we like way the way I was traveling south with the wind and that was enough to kind of like put a little bit of anxiety in my head because I was like oh fuck this is gonna be tricky because like 50 kilometers of going against the, the main source of energy but it was all right like I was still able to ride the wind bumps and had like some south swell running with me but just super tricky conditions like what when you past the eastern beaches of Sydney it then turns into pretty much just cliff lines so very much like china walls for probably 20 kilometers and then you and then where the main bay is of uh sydney like where the opera house and the harbor bridge is always in that section it's just the biggest and gnarliest i don't know what what spruiks it up there but maybe it's the flow of water coming out of that bay mixing with the energy of the ocean like maybe the currents there but there was just a lot going on and then to be honest it was super fishy like i the last two runs that i've done across the harbor there i've seen mahi mahi which is so odd for sydney because like if you if you drive 10 kilometers off the coast there's a big current line called the east australian the eac east australian current Mm -hmm. and in that current line, there's like the, the there's really warm water, so that's where like the mai mai love to to hang. But like I'm only ever two three days off the coast, and I was seeing these mai mai like jumping in front of me. Like they definitely weren't flying fish, like because I have flying fish all the time flying around me. 
and then just sang like a little school of Mai Mai. And then I actually hit something. I don't know if I hit a fish or just seaweed, but I didn't see the seaweed, but I literally came off there and then it's like super hard to paddle up because it's all refracted and but we got going again and then I made it to pretty much the end of the run and dude I had this huge thing jump out of the water maybe like 10 feet away from me scare the absolute shit out of me because I didn't actually quite see the animal but I seen the splash that it made after it like landed in the water And it threw me off so hard. I literally like screamed like a girl and then like <laughs> fell. <laughs> Dude, I fell off foil. Like I literally just, like, I, think I, I think I like, <laughs> I think I like quickly tried to turn right to get away from it. Cause like it all happened so quick. And then I came off and then I was like clambering on my board to like get out of the water. I was so scared, but I've already been on foil for like 40 kilometers or 45 kilometers. So my legs are just full jelly. So I go to stand up on my little 17 wide board, like right against the cliff with all this refraction, stand up, fall off, stand up, fall off. And then after like, I think three times of just wobbling off my board, I just sat on my board and I just go, if if that was a shark, it would have already killed me by now. Definitely. So I just sat on my board and tried to get like my, my breath back and like just, relax and then by that stage i had like this huge sailing boat come up to me and they're like are you okay and i'm like i'm fine (laughs) (laughs) so like just to rub salt in the wounds i was just like i'm okay fuck off (laughs) (laughs) and then then, yeah it took me so long dude it's crazy like i really love doing those long ones because i don't think anything emulates how your body feels or what your mind is doing after it's so depleted of like nutrients and it's tired and it's dehydrated and yeah, it's just something that you can't train for unless you're actually doing it. I don't reckon because if you get, if you go to the gym for an hour, like I still think that like it doesn't replicate how your body feels. I, I personally don't think so. No. I really like to do those long ones because it really, it just reminds you and kicks you in the butt that like, it's just the feelings I got when I did the Molokai to Oahu, really. It's just like, you just being, so that run, I think took two hours and 20 minutes. And like, if I was to ace it, it should have taken like two hours, but like all the flopping around in the water and like not being able to paddle up, it added to like two hours and 20 minutes or two it's hours. It's not terrible, five. man. It's good. It's not terrible at all. Like, I, I'm not saying I was, I was disappointed with the run. I was, I was very happy. Like it was, but when you, I think I fell four times that run. When you fall that many times, like four times, that is what cooks you. I reckon. That's, Big time. Yep. That's what gets and me. Like, and I was talking to a friend when I made it to the end was, he was like, Oh, sometimes you just got to like stand on your board and just wait for that right bump. But I was doing that. And I swear waiting on your board and in a squat position, balancing, for the right bump like burns more energy than just like standing on your i mean sitting on your board getting up and then just going for the first bump that you can feel because like i feel like a lot of the time it's just there's bumps all around you and waiting for that right bump sometimes is just wasting time and energy and i just i definitely felt that because the quad started feeling a little bit crampy and yeah it was just it's see it was crazy i i on it i I tried to figure it out in my head. Like 
it was 100% not a dolphin because I've had dolphins nearly bloody tackle me out and, uh, when I was downwinding <laughs> before. Like it just jumping at me and then all of a sudden like one jumped literally like six foot away from me. Like as if, if it hit me, would it like smash me? And it wasn't that because dolphins always hang in a pack and then after they jump, they always do their porpoise dolphin mm-hmm. dorsal fin. That wasn't happening at all. The only thing I could... Anything that I could square it down to was A, it was a marlin because marlins jump when they're going for fish or whatever, or it was a, a shark doing its beeline thing where it goes from underneath and then comes from like shoots up and then like gets airborne trying to catch a fish. Mm-hmm. And do you guys um, have the spinner sharks there? No, we don't. But I did see yesterday on the throughout the run two little hammerheads, which are they look like your the same size as your spinner sharks, but like yeah. they're probably only like, four. oh, I don't know. How, how big do your spinner sharks get? Like, four I think foot spinners or? can get pretty big, but what we normally see is probably like a three to five foot range. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's what we seen yesterday, like the hammerheads. So it was just so fishy yesterday, dude. It was like the ocean was definitely alive. But yeah, it was cool. I, I like seeing that type of stuff. Like I didn't, I was really pissed off that that animal whatever it was that jumped and put me off and made me bloody not be on foil for 15 minutes pissed because i was like oh i wouldn't feel as tired today if it wasn't for that bloody animal but it was cool that's part of the reason i started riding bigger boards downwind the initial pop-up never a problem or i wouldn't say never a problem but generally pretty easy it's if i'm having a shocker and i'm on a small board it compounds the shocker hugely throughout the run you've come off foil a couple times and now you're balancing you're struggling for balance so i've been on the big board that we had out in hood for the last little bit oh the The 710 yeah and dude i'm getting up so easy i don't like surfing it as much i mean it's just a lot more board than the 75 it's like 20 liter difference but but the pop-ups are so easy that the 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 runs are are it's becoming more relaxing now we've had pretty bad conditions lately but i've been subsurfing it some this last week and it's it's nice like it putting down power and i think we talked about this in hood a lot and then i'm probably offline a bunch of times but it's if you can't put down power then it's really hard and on yeah. something that's that big and stable i'm able to put down so much power and be stable even when it's pretty pretty shit that everything just feels easier dude those boards you designed are rock solid like they're super stable that's one thing that like yeah i think the biggest attribute to that design is that they're so stable dude like i remember standing on it and being like oh this thing feels way wider than than what it is it's just yeah there's definitely some magic in maybe the whole shape or yeah is it a double concave is that what makes it so stable or no it's the it's the hard edges at the inflection points something i learned through sup to where if you think about like if you had like a log and you're rolling a log and it's circular how easily that that log rolls but then if you Mm. were to put in hard angles on it now you have places of drag moving not drag forward to back not drag through the water but drag and roll side to side yeah and so they do they do feel a little bit more stable at least that that's the way that I understand it. And it's always seemed to really work for me. I did something very similar, but opposite in, in like just the sup surfing game where I'd make thin rails with a, like a, like a, a deck, uh, that comes up like, so a stage deck, um, mm-hmm. 
where you have like chined rails, but on the other side, like on the top. And so you just get a little bit of water over the top of the board and your feet are still out depending on the volume you want, whatever, but it just locks the board into the water. So it's like just playing through that. Yeah, I, I would love for you to feel the the new board that Zayn and Amos have designed that bullet. Ah, uh, dude, it looks so good. Honey, you said, talk about the, the log in the water. Dude, this thing is a fucking log. Like, it's trying to balance on a log. Like, it's th- there's no flat point on the bottom. It's a full right. rounded. It's like, I, I don't know what KT are doing now, but it's like what, even more aggressive than that, dude. So, these are like... It's funny because I get people all the time asking me like, oh, it's the way that they translate the marketing is like, oh, this thing pops up so much easier. And I'm like, yeah, it definitely does. If you've got easy conditions or or flat water, it definitely pops up better. But if you have conditions like what I have yesterday where you're like against a cliff and you've got like three different energy sources pushing swell wind in all different directions, adding to like reverb off the cliff. It's nearly impossible to stand up on the board in those situations, dude. Or even put power down because you're, even if you do get to your feet, you're like literally just got the paddle half in the water, just using it as a tripod just to stand up. Yep. And then like you get like two seconds to paddle sprint on a bump. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I feel like those boards, like they're definitely boards that, are, like I, I don't own a Sultan anymore because I feel like through my journey, I, I, I rode my Sultan the other day, a, a mate that I sold uh, my old board to, he was down for flat water pra- practice and I stood on that board and to be honest, it felt in my, in my feet, it felt the same tippiness as the bullet, but that's just maybe because I've tuned in so much my feet on that, that new board. But mm-hmm. I remember when I first got it, I stood on it and I was like, whoa, like I felt like I was back at square one. When you first learn to sup and like you stand on a board, you stand mm-hmm. up, fall off stand up fall off i was doing that with the bullet but it's it's definitely like a uh it's yeah it's for the advanced foiler for sure like well not the advanced foiler the advanced the person who's had experience on a sup already i definitely wouldn't be buying that board as your first sup and in my eyes my goal with all this if we're doing more racing and stuff is that you get up because it's really easy to get up in like like in a wind protected bay or something or like where the bumps just start where they're pretty organized and just don't come down that's the goal don't come down because i know for a fact because i came down last year i only came down once at china wall which is the end of the m2o i like aced it through the whole channel and i i just came down near the wall because i took the wrong line i Everyone told me to aim at the point, like where you come in before the bay. And I just came real hard against the wall thinking like, I don't know why to just hang next to the wall, which is like the most refracted and messed up zone. And I just pinned it straight into there. And then I came off. And then after 50 kilometers of foiling, like you go try stand up back up on your, your board from stationary and your legs are just jelly. You've got like mm-hmm. no balance to your quads or power or something. And my goal next year when I do the M2O is to not fall there because I reckon if I fall there with my bullet board, it will be so hard to get going again. Like it, that's where you nearly need to <laughs> like just throw the, the sup paddle in your, in your Ninja Turtle vest and just, and then prone paddle. up. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> I 
I wonder if that will get disqualified or if that's sweet. I wonder if you could get hand paddles. I no, that- they, they, banned, they banned that last year because, like, everyone was thinking, oh, like, when I come down at China Wall, I'll just hand paddle into the finish line. And But then, like, that's cheating because, like, unless everyone has hand paddles, that's not fair. Or, like, web gloves. I don't, so, you already have a sup paddle. Like you can you can go really fast paddling on your knees with a sup paddle too. Yeah, true, true, true. And people were doing that, but like I think, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it's I I back that rule, but then but then Jordan from Hand Paddle Co. He wants to do it next year. I mean, sorry, this year, and he says that he's going to write into the organizers and be like, "Hey, I'm only going to use my hand paddles." to get up at the start or throughout the race. But then when it comes to the end at China Wall, I won't use my hand paddles. And I was like, yeah, that's sweet. Fair. I mean, I, I don't know. I I think that a, a sup paddle is just as powerful as hand paddles. It'd be interesting to do like a speed test yeah, between the two. He'll just do that porpoise pump the whole way in on his knees, dude. I mean, that's got to burn a lot of energy. If you could do it, yeah, that'd probably just be like popping up in flat water pumping. Yeah, way. totally, totally. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That's and then cool. I also got, I also got another really cool opportunity as well. The foil drive guys have got me on as an employee as well. They got me managing. I'm very excited yeah. about your role there. <laughs> yeah, so we've been chatting. We're getting a foil drive in your hands because I, you're the number one product tester of every bloody foil on the planet so it'd only be fair if you know what the whole vibe is with this foil drive because it, it seems to be catching on like wildfire like i was even at my my local break at, not my local break but like the spot i always go on every weekend long reef and i went down there and dude there was like four or five other foil drive guys like, as soon as i got down there i was like whoa this is insane like it's literally just yeah it's yeah. really exciting to see Super, because everyone's like, oh, what battery are you using? Or what, what like uh, Slim or Max? Or like, what foil are you using with it? It's just like so many combinations. It's so cool. I am, this week, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about this. And this week was one of those ones where before it got real cold, we had a couple days that were really meager for just subsurfing or, or prone. And the foil drive would have absolutely crushed. And then we had a couple of days where it wasn't big enough to really break. The tide was after dark. So you had this like almost working going into dark. And I was just sitting here on the on the porch just thinking, man, about, I don't know, hopefully a couple of weeks, it's I'll just be out there. With those fucking batteries. Like we, we've been trying to send one to Tom Earl for a while and just like getting those lithium batteries across. It's just, they get held up so long in the bloody quarantine or whatever customs how come because they're lithium dude they're a huge fucking battery right so yeah, customs so, cares well it's just like they're they're just suz on it and i was just i was talking to dom the head of foil drive in europe and he said he had an absolute nightmare trying to get um he's been trying to get these foil drives over to tenerife and he's just said he's been like they won't let him send him on planes, so he had to get across. A, he had to go on a ferry with them, and like it's just yeah, it's just a little bit tricky at the moment. So, I think it's just so you can't travel with them yet. I don't know one hundred percent the. I yeah, I don't know to be honest. No, I don't know. I I would be. I need to find out from the foil drive guys, but I don't think like say if I did a trip to 
Hawaii, I don't think I could bring the foil drive in my in my carry on or or my like under luggage the plane like the under the plane luggage. So I I need to find out. I don't know for a fact, but I just presumed that yeah. I don't I don't know if you can travel with them. Yeah. So I've mentioned foil drive on. I guess it was the last podcast that I did, and after that. I did get a couple pictures of people who have gotten hurt with them. And I feel like it would be a good thing to talk about. We talked about doing this ahead of the show too, just to like to do a PSA about some possible injuries and, and ways to protect yourself because yeah, the, I think that it's an unshielded prop. So yeah, how, what do you think about that? Oh, it's yeah, it's no joke. Like I, I've nearly done it twice to myself. So the first time I, I think the number one accident is leaving the, the motor and the remote on when you leave the surf. A lot of people have been like carrying their board against their chest and then accidentally tapping the remote and the fucking, the prop spins and, and can cut them. And I've been guilty of that. I've definitely, act, it's so easy to leave. It just needs to be programmed in your mind. Like whenever you leave, like the last wave that you get in, turn it off and then just ride the board in on your chest or whatever. So it's off well before you even get to the sand. I think that that's the number one, I think, where people are getting hurt. And then also this was another one. So this was me. I did like a little downwind on it the other day. And as I came in, I always do that. Well, I always try and do that stylish. Have you seen Jacko, how he like comes in from a downwind and he like flicks his board upside down and in one go like grabs it and it's already flipped over? Right. It's just, I don't know. I tried to do it the other day with the foil drive and then I realized the fucking, the remote was still on and I like, I flipped the board and went to grab it and then the board, I, I missed it and then the foil like came back down at my head and then I realized that the remote was still on and that could have went really pear-shaped, dude. So just like little things like that, you just, you got to be so cautious. I personally haven't had, I, I've, I'm very confident on the foil drive in terms of like tarcoing it or, or just like breaching and falling off in front of the foil. I, I haven't really had any experiences like that just because I'm, I'm pretty confident on my feet foiling, but I think that's also another, another area where people are maybe like falling off foil and keeping maybe they've got the foil drive more in an e-foil position and they're just like hooning on the the trigger and maybe like as they fall they still got their finger on the trigger like just little things like that to be honest like what do you what do you do when you're when you're actually on a wave are you moving your finger off the trigger just kind of like holding it so you can't hit the trigger because i could see in some falls where you enter the water hard it might just you, your hands clench or the force of the water totally. turns it on or whatever so I I use the foil drive purely as an a way to start. So you'll mm -hmm. like when you if you're in the water with me and I'm foil driving, I'll literally be on my chest and then do a flat water start and then go straight into a pump. And I I use the well I I have both of them, but lately I've been using the slim because I started off on the max because I was doing a lot of upwind downwind because it's just you get more runtime out of the the max battery. So, but now that I've been doing it more in the surf, which I think that you'll probably do more of, especially the photo you sent me the other day of like the little shore break, but the swell lines coming in, yeah. you'll probably just get up 
because it's so hard to chip in on your normal prone in that shore break. So you'll just get up from flat water. You'll probably pump out to the swell line, do a few S-turn calves into the beach. You'll probably pump out again. You'll probably do that until you're exhausted. And then what happens is once you get exhausted, then you can get your mast low enough in the water where your pod is engaged. And then you just use that foil drive assist to pretty much have a break. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. I pretty much, when you stand there and you're comfortable enough and you've got enough runtime on the foil drive, when you're standing there and just holding the trigger, you're, you're just relaxing. So it just allows you for your heart rate to come down and, and pretty much just reset. And then what, what I do is I'll usually just putt out to the wave. And then when you connect onto the wave, bang, the, the trigger's off again because you ollie up and then you've, the foil drive isn't in the water anymore. Mm. So it's, it's, just to, it's just to take a break or to get to a certain spot, like the, the reef that we have the other day that I surfed on my foil drive, it's a little bit far off uh, the beach. So I just used it to get out to the wave. And then when I got to the out to the wave, I surfed it and then was pumping around. And then when I was getting tired, I was using that just to have a break or in between sets sometimes there's a really big lull and there's nothing so i just Mm -hmm. use that to burn around until the next wave comes yeah that sounds rad there's gonna be so many days here because just what our tides do on our bars and really our stretch of beach is just all mid to low tide and when we get weeks with the tide that's off all of a sudden now it's it's on yeah i like it's like, to be honest, I reckon you're really going to like it on that 200 progression because mm. that that just gets going with no energy. So you'll just like be like little zip with the trigger, bang, you're up. And like, it's a pretty slow cadence pump that like, you're really not getting your heart rate up. And then you just like, if, if you're surfing like knee high waves or chest high waves, like you could like, I've been getting like 45 minutes on my small slim battery and like after 45 minutes of being on foil, like even like you're using the assist throughout that 45 minutes, you're still on your feet for 45 minutes. That's that's a session. Like that's that's you're buggered after that. Like I that's remember perfect. Ben the owner, Ben the owner told me he was like, oh, just bring down two batteries. So like when you finish your first battery, you just go in and switch out to the second battery. I was like, dude, I was done after the first battery. I don't <laughs> I could do another 45 minutes. But like it just depends on like your little your little setup like the zone that you've got like the wave that you got but it's just i think what's really you gotta with this like obviously get comfortable with the product and like confident with it but once you get your head around that dude you can hit like be creative go to zones that that you just don't normally surf and then it's, it looks like in Florida already, like you guys have got plenty of real estate where you're not dealing with other surfers and stuff. But here in Sydney, like it's a pretty populated like area and, and a lot of surfers on pretty much any little wave that breaks. But I've definitely been using it to hit waves that, that surfers literally can't even surf. So, and, I, and, and, and use it as like a bit of like a, you you're exploring. Like I've, I remember as kids, like we would go to these spots and I'd be like, fuck, I just wish this place was just like the reef just was a little bit more in that direction and be a perfect wave. But now with like the, the foil drive thing, it's just like we're hitting these waves because even if they don't break or they're fat, like it's just, you've got all this real estate on the wave to do these calves and just 
and just no one really to piss you off because we've still got the foil ban here. So if we foil at the the normal beaches, we get told off. But if I hit these like lesser known spots, there's no lifeguards there or anything. Like I don't get told off or I don't get harassed by other surfers telling me to to piss off and stuff. So like it's yeah, yeah it's just you, you've got to be creative, dude. Like honestly, I see I see people and like this is just evident with like any like community. Like people just congregate together because they feel safe with their own and like that's totally fine like when you start because like maybe you want tips off your your other foil drive mates of like uh how to get going or what to do and stuff but like once you get the basics down like go explore go go and like yeah find your own little zones and yeah can, can you turn it off like while you're on foil like if you were to do it for a downwind run um, oh dude no idea do you no <laughs> no, I mean, I, I realize there's a trigger, right? Like, I'm not an idiot, a, Josh. Yeah. No, no, but, no, no, but no, can no, you actually no. power it down, like, like while you're on foil? Like, if I was going to do a downwind run for a few miles, and I just wanted to use it to get up. Yeah. So the, the trigger, the trigger, when you pull it, it obviously get, it gives power. But then when you let it go, it's nothing. It's not right. like no, I, going into an idle. It's it's off. No, I get that. But is there a way to like oh, right. to like deactivate the trigger while you're on foil, to where like you can't have a weird taco fall and hit the and hit it i don't think so i i can't really comment on that because i don't really know oh no sorry you can't you can fully turn it off no definitely because how you turn it off is you just hold the power button on the remote and then it's okay off. but in saying that like i've i've got i've got like downwind skills where i literally can do a whole downwind where i don't use the assist to in case you make a mistake or something like i'll just like turn off that bump and then go to the next bump behind. But I know like I've seen guys on downwinds with the foil drive, they'll use the foil drive throughout the downwind. I don't know if that's just because they've made a mistake or, or they're just like, yeah, I don't know. But like, you can definitely turn off the remote and like, yeah, eradicate the, the danger of the prop still spinning by accident by holding the trigger or something. So yeah, you, you could actually, that's, that's a really good point. And I'm sure that probably saves battery. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like you use the slim, you just use it to pop up. Actually, Even if you really come down, you just power it back up and get back up again. Right. Exactly. Cause it literally, it's like, it takes two seconds to power it back on again. So I actually might do that. And I'm, but oh, actually, this went from you making fun of me to now you taking my advice. How you like that? <laughs> but you know, the <laughs> to to counter back at you for that is that it's it's cool because the remote tells you how much battery you got left right so i don't know like uh, when i do the upwind downwind things I, I i might do two kilometers of the best section of downwind on our run and i'll just when i finish the two kilometers i'll then put up two kilometers upwind and like i'll be having my remote on the whole time because i can see it it'll be like drop. 90%, 80%. And then I'll be like, oh, I can do like two more runs of this or three more runs. Like, yeah. But like, if you're just doing strictly like a downwind, like normal style where like you're moving cars around and you're going with someone else, you could definitely just like power it on, bang, and then turn it off. And then just ride that downwind the whole way with your buddy and then just get it, hop in the car and go back up to the top. So Dude, that's I'm, definitely, yeah. I I'm super psyched because there's so many days when the angle isn't good and you're like, oh, I really want to go, but I just know I'm going to be pumping upwind basically the whole time. 
and now yeah. you just do 10 minutes, 15 minutes straight offshore and then yeah, turn dude. around? I, I, I did that and then I got pulled up by the owner, Ben, because he, because I actually took that to the next level. I kind of like went out to sea maybe five kilometers to get the good line to come back in. And then he was like, dude, like we have an amazing product, but things could go wrong. He goes, I'm not slagging the product because what happens if for some reason you ran out of battery and then you're five kilometers out to sea on a 26 liter board and like, and like I did, yeah, I did take the piss a little bit with that because I did just murder out and I just wasn't even thinking. And then he was like, dude, you got to, you got to set an example because people are looking at you, people are looking at your videos. You can't just be like murdering out to bloody New Zealand and then coming back the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The way I uh, see it is more like a sawtooth down the beach, 1K yeah. out, come back in, probably a 3K run with that wind direction, 1K out, just do that a couple of times is the way I, okay. yeah, I don't like being super far offshore here, man. Yeah, I get like a lot of people, like when I post those little like animations of where I go off the coast, a lot of people are like, holy shit, you're far off the coast. But I don't know, maybe my my judge of distance, like when I'm out in the ocean looking back at the coast, doesn't look that far. But like, maybe it is, maybe I am five kilometers off the coast. Like, I don't know, but like, it's just... Yeah, I think we gotta we gotta pinch ourselves. It's just it's different for us in Sydney because we're I'm always trying to stay pretty far away from the cliffs because if you stay a kilometer off the cliffs, there's some serious backwash going on and it's just tricky. So I always try and cut out a bit to stay away from all that, so it's a bit more settled down out there. But mm. if something goes wrong, whether you're on a four drive or a sup, like it is a long way to come back in, and then like there is ocean currents out there, so even if even if you do something breaks out there or you do have to paddle in from there, you might not ever make it back in. Like you just don't know. So there's, yeah, there's some, I, I think I said this in one of my YouTube videos is start small, get to know your, whether it's foil drive or SUP, just start and get to know your, your, your tools. Because like the last thing you want is something going wrong and your five K's off the coast and your phone loses reception and then you, you're really fucked. So yeah, I agree with yeah. that completely. The, the 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 big thing that I've also learned too is like since starting with the boys at Foil Drive is I this is just maybe me in general, this is my personality, but like I did not watch one tutorial or like they have like QR codes on all their products of like how to put things together. I did not watch one of them and I just put it together and then like just thought, oh, this will work, it'll be fine. And like I've been the biggest pest to Ben because every time something goes wrong, I always call him and he's like, did you watch the video? And I'm like, no. And he was like, dude, we have a whole video on this. And like, it's just, yeah, maybe just, maybe, yeah, just when you get your product, like I always find, yeah, there's so much information out there and maybe it's too overwhelming because maybe there's too much information, but like definitely on the foil drive YouTube and and website, there's some really good tutorials and how-tos and whatnot-tos. So that's like a good place to, to start with because then also you got like the a million influencers and stuff doing reviews on the foil drive. So it's just, yeah, get a bit lost. But definitely foil drive, they've got a YouTube and it's a good place to start because there's a whole little nuances that I didn't realize go on with these technical products. Like 
like the first one was I didn't realize why the bloody hell my remote wasn't working. It was because you got to put these like little foam strips in your tracks because that it for some reason the Bluetooth connectivity doesn't work when those strips are full of water. So oh, that's um, weird. Really weird, dude. And the I thought that my my remote was broken, and then yeah, I had to ask the guys, but. They give you these foam strips in the pack that you get, but I didn't know what the hell they were for. And then, like after my first session, it was working really periodically. And then I found out that you got to put these foam things in. And then what else? Like I didn't even know how to pair my remote, but like it's so simple. Like you just got to watch a video, and it just tells you how to do it. And yeah, but then after that, you just get the hang of it. It's just it's definitely give yourself some time to learn the product because. Even like putting it together, like on your board, like how to put the the battery on and then your mask on top, like it's all a bit fiddly to start with. And then I think I've already said this to you, once you have it set up, I usually just leave it all together because like once it's all together, it's so easy to just pull the battery out, charge it next session, put it back in, bang, just put your front wing on like, like you would normally and you're good to go. But if you're taking apart the whole kit, every time and then putting it back together it's it just adds to to more time that you're mucking around before you get in the water mm -hmm. like coming from being a surfer like when we first started putting all our foil stuff together at the beach i used to always be like fuck i just want to pull my board out of the car and jump in the water like but i'm so used to now like choosing front wing and then changing the fuse and putting the tail on just you just got to take your time a bit i guess yeah well, it's exciting. It's exciting. I mean, and even to extrapolate out like 10 years from now, where things are going to be. It's, it's going to be, be an FCS2 system where you just fucking click it in. Yeah, maybe. Batteries are going to be smaller. <laughs> yeah. It'll be jet props, no injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you're right. I think, I think it's a really good point you're bringing up the safety thing because these are, these are little, engines dude with 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 a prop like it's it's dangerous and like when you're on a foil that maybe you're not confident with and then you're doing like random tacos or breaches like not only do you have a foil and a mass that could bang you and cause injuries which are like 99 of the time is where our foil injuries come from people hitting their own mast and foil but now you have a foil drive so it's it's just something to be aware of and something that can also bring our foiling community down so i think just be responsible and and like go through the safety videos the how-to videos and even just ask people like myself who are very confident around these products and just yeah just try and minimize risk because it realistically it could cause a lot of havoc in our foiling community because not only do e-foilers and foil drive guys who just buzz around lineups piss people off, we need to be aware that if, if there's a minority with these products tainting a really bad picture for all foilers, it's, it's, it's pretty selfish. So that's why I was just trying to get across be creative. Don't just go down to your local surf zone where all the surfers and foilers are already at and just buzz through the lineup and be on foil for 45 minutes getting all the waves. Like just just be a bit aware that that's pretty selfish and maybe go to that outer reef that 
that no one goes to because it's a far paddle, but because you got a foil drive now, just paddle out there. I mean, putt out there and get all the waves to yourself and get a session and then yep. come back in and then everyone's happy, you know? Um, I love that point. I agree completely. I don't want to see this. I think it's something that's going to be so rad, but I do think that there is definitely a potential to create ill will. And I use the foil drive Gen 2. We were at the this comp down at Marimbula and the waves were tiny. Like you couldn't really prone paddle into any, but there was a few sup guys out there and I did. I got a million waves, but that was the only wave on the beach and I was buzzing past them and 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 I came down and asked them. I was like, dude, if I'm pissing you guys off or putting you guys off, just let me know and I'll 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 piss off. And they were all like, they were all like learning to sup. So they were like, oh no, it's fine. Like, no, it's totally fine. Like we can't catch these waves anyway. So it's just being aware and just mm -hmm. like being respectable. Like you you're always gonna get someone who, even if they're on a surfboard and they can't even catch the waves, you got that character who's always just going to be grumpy and pissed off that you're getting a million waves and having heaps of fun. But just, yeah, just try and diffuse yeah. the situations and be respectable because I know for a fact that e-foils are banned in our Sydney Harbour. They're classed as personal watercrafts, like a jet ski, and jet skis are already banned in the harbour. So we don't want more regulations coming down because they can use facts against us that we're creating like havoc in the surf and and creating danger like the worst thing that could happen is if someone ran over a swimmer or or a, or a surfer with a e-foil product like that would be so bad like yeah. fair enough people hurt themselves that own a foil drive because maybe they're just making mistakes and hurt themselves but to hurt someone who's just trying to enjoy the beach just like us that's not fair it's selfish so I have a thought that maybe you can pass along and it goes to the safety thing. So my guess is that there's going to be a large demographic of users, a large market that are not using the foil drive, but they're going to use it like you are way to get up on foil the majority of the time. And then once you're up, you're good. And so I think that changes design requirements for efficiency on the prop. I think that you could do a prop similar to like a ProTech fin, like a mm -hmm. leading trailing rubber edge, you're going to lose efficiency for sure. But I don't think that that matters if all you want to do is just be able to get up on foil. And then it would be yeah. a prop that would be, probably wouldn't hurt you, at least not in the same way if you were to have a, have a bad injury. It should be a cool option there though, I think, like if someone wanted to buy that or choose which prop they have. Totally. And I, I definitely agree that like, it, the product could be even more efficient where like I'm using, you'll see when you get your product that there's like all these different power settings uh, to generate power to your prop. And mm -hmm. I've got it on the lowest because I'm trying to save battery and run time. But then I'm also using probably the worst board that you could, I'm using like a 26 liter prone board. And then the other day I was also using a tiny foil, I was using a 720, 720 square inch, square centimeter foil so i was using like everything wrong but still able to get up and i'm just mm -hmm. like that shows that you really don't need much power so whether you're making the prop smaller and like more safer like a rubber prop or something but then also just minimizing the whole unit because like if we're making and probably in time with technology like batteries will get smaller and, and more powerful so like 
it will be pretty like amazing to see what's to come because like if you're if we're just and if if foil drive users who are already got the product and are very competent on it are using it more efficiently they're probably going to want a product that's even more streamlined and less like having something on your on your mast and your board yeah so exactly it's pretty pretty exciting stuff the last thing on safety i'll say is i saw a picture online I believe it was yesterday i sent it to mike someone had posted a picture of a foil drive setup on a chop tail board board looked good it was a it was a nice board but the chop tail box placement put the prop itself out the back behind the tail and it just looked like it would be a great way to castrate yourself yeah and so like i was thinking about like like the mid-length type thing just gives you so much more safety space from the tail aspect yeah i just like i'm i'm so excited to see i'm just so stoked that there's a product out there that allows people to do this like i've got one of my best mates perth he's got like a really bad shoulder injury at the moment and he's out of the water for six months at least and i told him i'm going to put the foil drive on like a big sub. So he literally just stands there and then pulls the trigger and then bang. Cause he can downwind. He's like crazy downwinder. And then he's downwinding. He doesn't have to use his shoulder at all. That's amazing. Like as long as, yeah. So it's just like, and I, I know recently the, the, the guys at foil drive, they had someone who has had a gnarly injury who probably wouldn't be able to foil again. And then now with the foil drive product, he's able to foil, which is so incredible. I love stories like that. It's just like, yeah, it's just, it's really cool that there's a product out there. And if people don't agree with it or it might be out of their price range, so what? It's just cool that 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 it's there if someone does need it. And I think that's that's super important. And and it'll get cheaper and there's going to be a used market. And yeah, so. Totally. Anyway, let's stop talking like, like an infomercial. That like, was uh, that was about the most infomercial thing ever. <laughs> you might have just beat Sim and, and Kahi. <laughs> Dude, I laughed so hard the other fucking day when I was listening to that because I love those boys. And I, then, like, I just love how Kahi just spins it back into business mode. He's like, oh, yeah. And then for like... For this price, you can get this and this and this. <laughs> Boys are going hard. Love it. Uh, I hope like, they do I, well. I honestly love that hustle. Like they're offering such a good, like I can pretty much say that I've already had that experience because both those boys are so accommodating and like they brought me into their, both their homes and brought me on downwind runs in all their local areas. And like that is priceless. And then now they're actually bundling that into a package where you can just go, go on a set date and like, I just reckon they're nailing it. Like good on those boys. Like it's, I would do that here if we had more of like a, a place geared for it but like they just have such a good fucking zone there for downwinding every day like it's crazy like in the in their summer that's amazing i'm tempted i'm tempted to go do it i got some buddies who are doing it which is cool i'm stoked for them the boys invited me like they, they brought me on as a coach so i'm pumped i'm definitely going to one. Oh, are you sick yeah so i'll i can i guess i can help paul cooper assist with the four drive aspect or or I, I also said, like, I'm more than happy to be their content creator guy. So, like, everyone wants to see footage of themselves downwinding so I can organize all that stuff. So, and then is obviously that... just downwind the roof. So, uh, that's so rad. 
So rad. I wish we had a, a place. It would be super fun to run like camps here. We could do prone camps here. We've got setups for that. It's just hit and miss with the waves uh, in the summer. Uh, what else uh, you want yeah, to touch on, man? Yeah, I just I was trying to think. I think we covered I think we covered most things. Like I think I just got word from Four Drive that we're doing they're going to Florida for some, I presume it's some trade shows. So I'm gonna try and get over there and and then do a little side trip and and link up with you. And you were saying that that the foil race is on like start of March. So it could be perfect timing. I'd love to would I be the first international that comes to that? Me? No. No. A guy from Brazil came last year. The Petroni or whatever his name is on Instagram. <laughs> Good dude. Legend. Sick. Yep. He was there. We've had Hawaii come. Sick. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to bounce into that. And and then, yeah, just back to Hawaii again this year. I won't be going for as long. Like, I'm just going to go for the M2M and the M2O. Probably only go for like two weeks max. And then throughout the year... Yeah, just like little little trips, I think. Nothing nothing locked in yet, but always bouncing around doing something. Right on. Well, I'm super stoked for you, man. I know you're one of the hardest working guys in foiling. And to see that rewarded, I'm upset that it, it couldn't happen um, like with us working together anymore. But, but it was a good run, I'm man. So and I really glad appreciate that we had the everything. run we did, dude. Like, honestly, that was priceless. And Unifall have taught me so much. And, like, the opportunities that they gave me were, like, I couldn't even have dreamt of. So, it's, like, it was definitely, yeah, they they put me in the place that I am now, which I'm so grateful for. And, yeah, I just, like, I've, 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 I live and breathe this. So, like, I just want to continue on the path of it and see where it takes me. Well, it would be a fun journey to watch, dude. We get to do it through your YouTube channel which is Josh yeah. Koo on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love making little videos, dude, because the one thing I found, like my vision when I got into all this, like seriously, I was like, I want to like push my profile and like get brands to make videos and make like a full feature length film and stuff. And then I realized after time that no one's going to do that unless you do it yourself. So mm -hmm. like, I just went, fuck it. And then I just invested in all this camera gear and learned how to edit and bought all the editing software and yeah it's just like turned into yeah if you don't produce it yourself it, it just won't happen really which is a sad thing maybe in a few years when there's more money in the industry and people can start doing that but at the at the moment like i think it's just if you want to if you want to if you want to put stuff out there, you're going to have to, you have to grind and do it yourself. Really. You got to organize your filmers. You got to edit after hours when you get home and, well, and push really. I think the reality is though, now with social media, the return on investment for full length, longer content, isn't the same when you get the no, one viral clip. And so the metrics have changed. It's really frustrating. Hey, I've actually, because like I'll spend a week on an edit. And then for some reason, when you post it, if you don't put in the right things that the algorithm likes, you will get the shittest response. Like it just, I just know for a fact, because I've put out other videos that are like very similar and they'll go mad. And then this one, because I posted it at the wrong time, or you tagged too many people that have, you've already tagged before, or you didn't put in the right hashtags, it just goes shit. And like, it's it's not fair. I, I honestly, like, I wish there was like 
a how-to list of like what to do because it, I feel like for the effort that you put into making this content and then you see someone who just posts a video of them taking a selfie on their iPhone and it goes way better and you're just like, how does that work? Like the, the production value and everything is not, but then I guess it's just whatever, whatever feeds this algorithm and, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's super interesting. And like, I, I definitely have noticed that lately is that I just take pride in what I put out there. So I only want to put out really good stuff. I don't want to half-ass it just to get it out there, even if it does get more hits or whatever. But like, I also feel like very successful people at the moment in this content creating world is the YouTube tutorials of all these products or reviews because mm -hmm. before someone buys a product, they want to watch what it does, like someone's already tested it because they need that confirmation to get them over the line to buy it. Or if they're getting into a new discipline or getting into foiling in general, they want to see how it's basically broken down. And yep. I feel like those guys are being super successful at the moment because there's more guys wanting to learn or wanting to have confirmation before they buy versus someone who's just like aimlessly going to just watch 10 minutes of cool foiling content. Yeah. I feel well, like... Do you agree? I, I do. I do. But I think it goes to a deeper level. And I think it's about like having a relationship with an audience and having a trust. Because I think that basically content creators are filters in a way. Yep. And a lot of people like, so, so the podcast, this podcast, I do zero advertising for it now. It just has a following because I've been doing it for a long time and have a relationship with the audience. And I think people that I'm interested in talking to are people that, you know, a lot of people listening are interested in hearing from or talking to. And it's like, it's like a filter there. If you like align with the kind of ethos of wanting to get better, deliberate practice, those things, and you like foiling, probably going to like the show. And I think that you're building that too. I think you're building that trust on, on YouTube and you'll get to a point to where you no longer really have to think about it. And the reality is that this is a Tim Ferriss quote. It's like, it's better to have a hundred like really passionate, like fans, followers or whatever, than a hundred thousand that kind of don't care. Yeah, I totally um, agree with that. And so that's a slow build, but when it happens, then you don't really have to, to worry about it anymore. And it doesn't matter if you have your, like the 2000 people or 5,000 people that are stoked on on what you're doing then it's 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 enough to to do something really cool it's interesting too because i've had this thought lately is like i was always trying to build josh koo as the foiler as a business because like i wanted to at the end of the day be able to make money out of it to justify what i'm doing and i feel like i've been very fortunate enough now with code foils and and foil drive seeing that as an asset and then now that I'm working for those guys, Josh Koo as a brand has like gone on the back burner because I'm actually getting work now that is paying, but you can't focus more on yourself to build that as a brand. So it's like, but then have you achieved what you've set out to do? Because now you're working in foiling, creating content for these brands, or are you losing the love of what you're doing because you don't get to focus on what you do like to make your own videos and not have a criteria of what you're doing. 
it's like it's a it's a it's a it's a fine balance dude because like i still genuinely really love creating my own videos like I, I i enjoy i don't see that as work like when i'm in the editing bay at night making my own videos and like putting music to it like and then seeing like the response from people when they watch it like i love that and then like now i get to do that for other brands and like it's just tough because now i'm losing i'm just losing time like as it, not not i don't mean like i'm losing time i'm just I'm more time poor now to focus on mm -hmm. all these different aspects because there's so much work coming in now and let alone trying to manage my little roofing business. So it's just like, I'm definitely at the, like I've only just started this year, like it's only been a month so far, but I'm definitely trying to calibrate the balance of doing this all. And I will get there for sure. But like at the moment, I'm definitely a few little teething problems, just trying to work out uh, my day-to-day -day managing like these two different things, emails, my actual work like roofing and then and then finding the time to then edit whether it's work-related or my own edits. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, there's a lot going on. So, and then you th throw in like little trips here and there where you're just like off the grid for a bit. So, yeah, it's I exciting. Yeah. And like, it's a good, I feel like it's a good problem to be in where you're, overloaded with work versus like not having enough and no absolutely country. i mean yeah. i mean to that point i think it depends number one what your end goal is if your end goal was creating enough value to get into the industry in a way that you can then start working within the industry like then you've achieved that if your end goal and what you truly love is is doing the videos then maybe it's taking away a little bit but the thing that you know with the podcast that i've had to i come to grips with it was years ago this probably even at the end of the first podcast that i was doing was that i love having the conversations and i love being able to share that and and i think that that's where the real value is and i have this 80 20 rule which is like how do i get 80 percent of my objectives in 20 percent of the time and that's yeah. why i don't do any of like the snippet type posts i feel like most folks listen they they want to hear the episode like the marketing stuff takes time the post-production stuff takes time so everything i'm doing is trying to streamline that so i can just have more conversations and actually I'm leveraging ai is super huge right now and it's saving me even more time so i'm doing more podcasts now because i'm doing less production and it's awesome love it yeah Work smart not hard yeah it's so i don't know like, like I've, I've definitely found I've because I haven't found that balance yet or those efficient methods that I'm I am getting very much trapped on the phone a lot and I think I'm definitely developing some bit, pretty bad skills of like always wanting to reply to that text or that email to be on top of things because that's just my, my personality I hate having like a huge list of things to do because I'd rather just like attack them as they come so the mm -hmm. list isn't as big but like, it's just, yeah, it's just a, it's a balancing act that I need to figure out. And yeah, it's interesting to hear your perspective on it for sure. It sounds like you're figuring it out, man. And it sounds like everything you've done for the last couple of years has been super valuable and put you in a really good spot right now. So totally. it's awesome. Like the whole, it, you're right. The whole, this whole thing was for me to be able to make money out of it. And like, now that that's happening, I'm super happy and super grateful and it's just like figuring out how to use my time wisely now, which is always the 
yeah, always the goal, I guess. Well, it sounds like a good question to ask AI. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. What AI using, bro? What's fucking? You got like little bots at home or what? I, I have. I always have like a, a Bard or GPT window up. Like I try to. I, I am. I'm like the laziest person ever. And so I, if there's something that I figure out a way to do easier and it's just, it's just been the biggest hack. Like a year ago, I tried to do all this with AI and it just wasn't there. And so um, now, now it's just gotten to a place where like, even in music production, the stuff that I do, there's like a new mastering plugin. Mastering is like the hardest part for me. And now it's like it's so much easier. It saves just a ton of time and it's better, which is hilarious. Yeah, I get I definitely get hit a lot with like all those AI editing apps like but I haven't tapped into them yet just cuz I thought it was just like a money grab trying to uh, I just I don't know. I just um, like have too much quality control of myself that I don't want to give that out to someone and see like a mediocre version but yeah, maybe You should just maybe. do a couple of tests to see how how off it is. Yeah, true, totally. Oh, you if know? it does not percent of what you want and then you just tweak it to the last 10% and yep. you're more efficient. Yeah. Yep. And if it saves you 80% of your time and, and you get 80% of the result, maybe it's, maybe it's a good way because I yeah, think people totally. just want to like get your content. I don't like, I think that like as an artist, you probably get caught up in some of the, like the details and making the music in sync and, and all that kind of stuff. But like, what is the value? Where, where does your audience see the value? I guess is the question. Yeah. But that's, that's the trick dude, because if you just put a long version of whatever the the session was, it looks shit because like you got all this pumping in between all these crazy turns. People just want to see the crazy turns, dude. Right. And I feel like that's the that's the shitty thing about Instagram or whatever is like people only want to watch twenty seconds, thirty seconds max. So you got to put all the craziest stuff at the start, and then like it's really hard to tell a story like when you. When you're like passionate about storytelling, that's why I feel like YouTube is that version where yep. you got that chance to more tell a story versus Instagram. It's like a little endorphin hit of like psych, mm -hmm. and it's more like a resume. I think like I like I really try to keep my profile as just really beautiful short little segments versus like yeah like versus like what Instagram was probably purposely made for at the start it was like instant photos or videos of things this is not that anymore it's curated it's it's very thought out and it's like it's a resume of your work and and your and your your adventures really yeah it's a good way to put it i basically just post clips of setups turns that i like that i want to remember because it's an easy place for me to go back to it totally and it's like how I like assess like, oh, I wonder how I was doing that turn a couple of years ago. I don't look through my photo library. I go back to Instagram. Yeah, nice. Anyways. All right, brother. I'm going to go down, eat some dinner. This has been awesome, man. No, I've been really nice chatting to you. And I forgot to mention the other day, that's so rad how you can play music with your daughter. And she rips, dude. She's oh, thanks. so good. We're doing, we're playing out together tomorrow night. It's going to be fun. Oh, God. So cool. Stoked. Oh. She's finally. Oh, yeah. That scary plane experience we had made her realize it was actually really interesting because she's been holding her music back. And then we had a crazy, scary plane experience, and she her her thought was, "I want to pursue music. Like I really want to do this." And so, it's cool. That's really nice. That well, it's well, 
scary that you had that incident, but it's nice that she had that realization that time time is precious and you got to just go after what you love. All That's right, a good man. way to end it right there, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have, a, have a lovely day, dude. I'll yeah, look forward to chatting to you soon. And just wanted to say thank you one last time that Unifall has given us the opportunity to to meet each other and have this awesome relationship. And yeah, man, just want to Unifall once again for such an amazing two years. And I'm super excited to see what you guys get up to. I'm devastated. I didn't get to get my hands on that last prototype that you guys got because I was dying to try it. But yeah, you guys got some pretty exciting things in the works, I think. So excited Uh, to see what you guys get up to. And I'm sure I'm going to raid your tent at whatever trade show it is and steal your foils and try them again. So (laughs) (laughs) epic. Likewise, we'll trade. Yeah, sounds good. All right, brother. Have a great day, dude. Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen.